probably noticed the title of this message today, In God Do We Trust? It's a question. And in spite of the title, this message is not about the election. Okay, well, it is, sort of. But that's really not the focus and the point. It's the background. It's the application. This message is about prayer. And this message is about faith. I believe in prayer. This Sunday before Election Day comes in the midst of a sermon series I've been doing this fall um, entitled, What I Believe and Why. To give us a bit of reminder and to give us a bit of stability in unstable times and in confusing times about what, what we do believe. And as you noted from the title of the series, this title of the series is What I Believe and Why. Because I recognize that, as the Bereans did, we are all to take our Bibles home to see if what Bill is saying is so, and come up to the understanding of what each of us individually believes and why we believe that. I believe in prayer. We're thankful to uh, that in the midst of a pandemic year, in the midst of a, a very polarizing election year, uh, that our church continues to minister, as Danny shared in that wonderful communion message, that we continue to reach out to our God and to our community and to our world in prayer and with the gospel itself. And so I am excited uh, about Grant and Leanne Knight being uh, a part of this eldership and uh, what a wonderful shepherding family that you will be because we've seen that in the way that you have lived. And what a blessing uh, they are to this church already and will be in the years ahead. Uh, And we also, you may be surprised to hear this. I hope you're not, but you might be. Uh, You may be surprised to know that every week we have a few visitors in our assembly. Uh, That's kind of great. In the midst of everything else, we have a lot of people watching online, and that's a blessing. And some of them are part of our church family and members. Others are friends or family members or just folks who hear about us from one way or another. And so welcome and and thank you for being a part of our assembly today. That is such an important part of of our church outreach in this 2020 year. And so we welcome you and are grateful for you and what you add to our assemblies uh, together. Uh, along with that, again, we have several in-person visitors that, that come, and we, we try to reach out to them as best we can. As you know, we're not passing the trays. We're not handing out uh, communion supplies. We're not picking up cards. But if you're a guest and would like to uh, fill out one of those cards and just leave it on the pew, uh, we would love to have a record and be able to have the opportunity to check on you and make sure that uh, there's you have everything that that you need and to thank you personally for being a part of our assemblies in person. Um, it is, um, it is a, uh, a year like no other, as Wade shared during our shepherd's prayer time. And it is certainly one that, um, that reminds us and calls us to do what we have sung about today, to worship the King, uh, to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to practice uh, love to love each other, 
uh, and to love others, to demonstrate that love even to our enemies. Uh, Aren't you glad that that scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, Danny, aren't you glad that that doesn't apply during an election year? Isn't it a great blessing that it doesn't apply to things we send on email or things we post on social media? Boy, what a relief that is. Yeah, I don't think that we get that, uh, get out of loving your enemies and all others free card. In fact, that's when love is, is really seen. And that's when love is, is really noticeable and different. As Jesus says in that passage in Luke 6 and in Matthew 5, everybody loves their friends. <laughs> everybody loves the, the emails and the Twitter messages and the Facebook messages and all the other stuff that they get that are from their guy, that are from their candidates, that are the, the principles that they like. But it's when we find ourselves at odds with others. And in sharp disagreement, even so much so that they would consider us their enemies, that Jesus calls us to love. And as Danny shared, he demonstrated what that looks like. That looks like getting on a cross for them, not for your friends, for your enemies. God demonstrated his love in this, Paul wrote to the Romans, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, while we were the enemies of God. He sought to reconcile us with his own blood. This message is not about the election. This message is about prayer. And this message is about faith. And this message asks the question, in God, do we trust? Really? Do we? It's more than just a great motto, and I think it's a wonderful motto for a a civil nation, a secular nation. I think it's a huge blessing. We have that in our heritage and even in our present. What a blessing. But today, I'm not talking about our nation. Today, I'm not asking this question about the United States of America. And asking, in God, do we trust as a nation? I think that's an important question. But that's not my question today. I'm asking this about our church. I'm asking that about us as Christians. In God, do do we trust in God? Is that where our trust lies, in the eternal God? Is that where my trust lies? In God, do I trust? Or do I trust in something else? I believe in prayer, and therefore I trust in God, and not in any candidate or any political party or the Supreme Court, as important as those all are. (laughs) My trust is firmly and deeply rooted in the eternal God. I read something someone wrote this week that, uh, that they said, I'm glad that we're getting together with other Christians, either online or in person, on the first day of the week, to worship the eternal God so that in the middle of the week when we find out who our temporary president will be, we'll be all right. (laughs) I think that's right. This isolation and loneliness, and boy, Wade, you hit that on the head. That is exactly what we've all been feeling for a lot of reasons. 
in 2020. And so some of you may be disappointed. You saw the sermon title and you got all excited and you thought, this is great. Bill is going to tell everybody to vote for blank. (laughs) And then you put your candidate, your party in the blank. (laughs) So sorry to disappoint you, but that's not happening. That's not what this sermon is about. And though I have prayed constantly, constantly, several times each day, specifically, that is not what this sermon is about. You've been praying, I've been praying, we're all praying about this election and this country and this world and this pandemic and the future, and rightly so. But this sermon and this question, in God do we trust, is about the deeper issue. Do we trust in our political heroes and parties, or do we trust in God? Dan Bouchel, who works with Let's Start Talking Ministry, uh, wrote this recently, perhaps 2020 was just what we needed to release, finally, our illusion of control and addiction to certainty. (laughs) And boy, did he ever peg me there. (laughs) We like control. We like certainty. And what 2020 has told us is we have neither. (laughs) We have neither. We are so not in control. And there's no certainty in this world. And if that's what we require, then we're struggling. I'm a structure guy. I'm a routines guy. I'm a boring guy. I am uh, a traditional guy. I'm, I like going to the same restaurants, and I like ordering the same thing every time. I like not having to think about what I'm going to wear. I like not having to think about what I'm going to order. I love that. I like not having to think about my schedule, and, and that's just the kind of guy I am, but I'm also a faith guy, and the faith guy needs to win out over all the others, and this year is a faith year. This year is not about structure. This year is not about routines. This is a faith year. Because faith is really, truly faith when our plans are all upside down. Faith is really, truly faith when we don't understand why things are going the way they're going. I believe in prayer. So as we look ahead to this difficult week and this difficult year, I want us to focus today on prayer because I believe that the answer to that question, in God, do we trust, is the same way of asking and answering this question, do I pray? Do I pray? few things about prayer this morning. First of all, we must never give up praying. Never give up praying. God answers prayer, I think, typically in one of three ways. Yes, no, or wait. And yes, wait is a four-letter word, W-A-I-T, and I don't like it. I don't like that answer. And I don't like no. 
as an answer. Some people just can't take no for an answer, we've heard. Some people can't take yes for an answer, we understand. But we especially don't like the answer no when it's to our prayers, to our very faithful, fervent prayers. But Jesus says we must never give up praying. And lots of uh, scriptures that are on your outline and that I'll refer to, we'll only read a couple of them. We must never give up praying. Jesus told a parable about this, this widow in Luke 18 who was being taken advantage of. And she went to this judge for justice and he was corrupt. And he said, no, I don't care about you. You have no power. You can't do anything for me. So I really am not motivated at all to bring you the justice that you deserve, the justice that would be right. It's not going to help me politically at all. So I don't care. So she would come to him and come to him and come to him and he would never rule for her. Until finally he said, that's it. I am so done with this. I am tired of you, lady. What is it you want? Let's get the official seal out done. Please don't come back into my courtroom. Well, God is not an unjust judge or an unjust father, but God wants us to come to him with prayer. And that is the point of the parable. Remember, parables have this milieu of information and setting and background and perhaps application, but typically they have a single point. And that's the point of this one. Never give up praying. Chapter 11, Jesus tells another story about a neighbor who had unexpected company and, and he, he hadn't been to Sam's. And so he goes next door and knocks and the guy just stays inside. He says, no, nah, no, nah, no, don't bother me, don't bother me. And, and he keeps knocking and he says, look, we're all in bed in here. We're not getting up. Forget it. Just, you know, go down to the local 7-Eleven or something. And, and the guy says, look, I, I don't want to do this. I, I really don't want to help you. I don't certainly want to get up in the middle of the night, but because you just keep on disturbing me and knocking I'll respond again God is not that way but the message is never give up praying never give up even if you've been hearing no or wait never give up praying we read about Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and it says three times three times he prayed the exact same prayer Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me, yet not what I want. May your will be done. I do want us to read a couple of passages. The first one is in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Wade shared earlier from 1 Timothy 3, one of those great passages about what it means to be a shepherd of God's people. 1 Timothy chapter 2 talks a little bit about what it means to be a citizen of a secular nation. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Verse 4. Who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. So there's a lot of other passages we can look at and talk about with this, and we shared some of them in our our class, our adult class in the Family Life Center, but this one says pray for them. Pray for them. But pray what? Pray that they'll lose the next election? Well, I'll let you decide if that's your appropriate prayer or not. 
pray for peace, not just for the sake of peace, but pray for an environment in our nation, in our society, in our cities and communities. Pray for an environment that will be conducive to the spreading of the gospel. That's the point of the prayer. Never give up praying that prayer. And in Acts chapters 3 and 4, a couple of the apostles do a good deed and heal a man. And the Jewish leaders feel threatened, so they arrest them. And they threaten them and they say, don't you speak any longer in the name of Jesus. And they go back and they gather the church together and they pray. But that prayer at the end of Acts chapter 4 is just amazing because they don't pray for protection. They don't pray for safety. They don't pray for their own physical and emotional well-being. Maybe they did and Luke just chose not to record it. But what he does record is this. Help your people to speak and to speak boldly in the midst of the threat. Paul says, pray for peace, but I'm, I'm sure and certain that at times God feels like, well, actually what my church needs is not peace. What my church needs is crisis. We see that all over the world in places where the gospel and the word of God is thriving. In places where they're doing that under threat. We must never give up praying. In Acts chapter 12, Herod arrests James, the brother of John. You know those sons of Zebedee? Well, one of them, James, is put to death by Herod in Acts 12. First apostle killed for the faith. So the book of James is not written by the son of Zebedee, the brother of John, but it's written by the half-brother of Jesus. He takes over as a, a leader in the church in Jerusalem, as Acts demonstrates. But James, the brother of John, is put to death in Acts 12, and then Peter is arrested because it went so well for Herod. And and so the church is praying. They're praying for Peter to be released. And I believe, even though Luke doesn't record it, I believe strongly that the church gathered together and was praying for James. And yet he was put to death. Why is that? Was Peter more faithful? Was the church more fervent in praying for Peter than for James? Well, you might say, well, they were really more motivated for Peter because they'd already seen James killed, and that could be true. But this is the church that had already seen Jesus killed. They didn't have a problem with wondering if they would carry this out or not. They had seen it. We must never give up. Praying. And then there's that passage of scripture that is hard to apply, but it's found in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. It's a very famous passage. You may have it uh, on a plaque or something in your home. It's one that you probably have marked. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And so this is written during the time of the theocracy of the Old Testament law. King Solomon, the son of David, was on the throne and he had built the the temple that David so much wanted to build. And now it was time to dedicate it. And Solomon has these glorious prayers of dedication for this temple. And he also has some words of of encouragement and exhortation to his people. And this is one of those. And God comes to him and he says, look, 
This is a good thing, and, and I want you to know that I'm always going to listen to the prayers of my people, but if you get away from me and from my will, it will not go well for you. And if during that time you come back to me, then I will hear and I will heal, but we have to remember that this passage of Scripture is in the context of the Old Testament theocracy. The law of Moses was their civil law as well. They were the people of God. They were the chosen nation. The United States of America is not the chosen nation. It is not. And if Jesus decides that he's not going to come back, if the Father doesn't send him back, then very likely sometime in the years or centuries down the line, this nation will cease to exist. But guess what? The church, the chosen nation of God, will continue to exist. Wherever that is, whatever that looks like, there will be people who will be going by the Bible and seeking to worship and serve the Lord and to love their neighbor as themselves. We must never give up praying, including praying for our nation. I've been doing so much of that as you have too, and we will almost constantly in the days ahead, as well we should. But we do that with the understanding of a couple of things that we'll share in just a few moments that come from Jesus' prayer in the garden and his time on the cross. And so this morning, I appreciate Michael, you singing, leading those songs. I've asked Michael to lead a couple of songs in particular that are basically prayer songs, and they're prayer songs for our nation, and rightly so. America, America, God mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. America, America, may God thy gold refine till all success be nobleness and every gain divine. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. That is what we want for our nation, and we pray for it. We'll close our service today with a prayer song. God bless America. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. That's what we pray for our nation, and rightly so. We must never give up praying. Secondly today, sometimes God's answer to our prayers is no. Jesus in the garden in Mark 14, the answer to the prayer of the Son of God was no. Paul requested God to relieve him of the thorn in the flesh, and the answer was no. Paul and Silas and Timothy were on Paul's second mission journey, and they were trying to go a certain way. They were trying to go in what we would call modern-day Turkey, but in the far north parts, and, and, and the Holy Spirit kept closing the doors. And finally, Paul had that Macedonian vision that said, come on into Macedonia and help me, and they had to go across the Aegean Sea to get into Europe for the first time. And they would have never done that if God's answer to their prayer had been yes. At least not this trip. We've already seen the Apostle James killed for the faith. I'm sure when Stephen was being threatened and stoned, the church was avidly praying for him that we're watching, Paul and Peter and the others as well. But I want to talk to you about some friends of ours that 
several of us know, some know really, really well. Michael and Tammy Hurley and others. Richard and Connie Light are dear friends of ours. Their daughter is Alicia, and Richard is a former elder at the White House Church of Christ, our good brothers and sisters just to the south of us. And Richard has been struggling with cancer, and we've had him on our prayer list, and we've made announcements about that. And they had some more doctor's visits and even surgery this week, and they wrote this in the last couple of days. Dr. Choi recommended palliative care to help manage symptoms. We were able to talk to the palliative care team today, and their recommendation is aggressive symptom management with hospice care. Clearly, the answer to their prayers and to ours has been no. The prognosis is grim, and the time left is not long. But listen to what these people of faith say. Even though this news is devastating, we are not without hope. We continue to serve and praise an awesome God. Sometimes the answer to prayers, even fervent prayers, is no. Doesn't change the fact that he loves us. And they are exactly right. They're exactly right. Sometimes God's answer to our prayers is no. But in each of these, God has something better to grant than that for which the person was praying. We believe that. It's what happened with Paul. God's grace is sufficient. I'll hold on to that. It's what happened with that mission team. Who would have thought that we would be going into Europe and there find the, make, uh, build the church at Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and then down to the southern part of Greece, the, the province of Achaia and go to Athens and all those idols and to Corinth, the center of sexual immorality and build a strong church there. God had something better. Thirdly today, Jesus prayed. You've heard me say this many times. The most powerful biblical teaching on the command to pray is this. Jesus prayed. The Son of God prayed. If the Son of God prayed, how can I not? How can I not? Several examples of that on your outline. In Mark 1, it says Jesus got up early in the morning and prayed. Maybe you're a night person. Maybe you're a morning person. When do you pray? In Luke chapter 5, Luke says that Jesus often went to lonely places by himself and prayed. In chapter 6 of Luke, he stayed up all night praying, and then the next day he chose those 12 disciples of his to be apostles. In Luke 9, he was praying when they, he was transfigured before a few of the apostles. And then in, Axel, in Luke 11, he was praying, and the disciples came up to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, and that's... In Luke, the context of the Lord's Prayer. We see that prayer in John 17, that wonderful high priestly prayer. Again, Mark 14, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Praying and praying and praying and praying while the others slept. The most powerful biblical teaching on the command to pray, Jesus prayed. I believe in prayer. And lastly today, prayer affirms that we trust the Father. In God do we trust. Prayer affirms that we do, that we trust 
the Father. Again, that passage in Mark 14 in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus trusted the Father. He trusted him so much he was willing to pray, thy will be done, not mine. And in Luke 23 at the cross, just before his life left him, he prayed this prayer, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, just as he had done his whole life. How do you know if you trust in God? We know we trust God when we can genuinely pray, thy will be done. Are you praying that about this election? I think it's okay for you to tell God what you think and who should win and who shouldn't win and all of that. That's fine. God already knows your thoughts on that, so you might as well tell him. But do you tell him that in the context of not my will but yours be done? And if it's your will that my team doesn't win, I'm okay with that because my trust is not in them. My trust is in you, God. We know we trust God when we can genuinely pray, thy will be done. This is one of the few times you'll ever see me include the exact same scripture in all of my sermon points. Did you catch it? Do you remember which one it was? The Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus' prayer. Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But if not, thy will be done. We can't say that this political election or anything else we're going through is more significant than what Jesus was facing that night. Yet he could still pray to the Father, not my will, yours. We know we trust in God when long before our lives are over, we can genuinely pray, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my children. Into your hands I commit my family. Into your hands I commit my health. Into your hands I commit the health of those that I love. Into your hands I commit the future of my children and my grandchildren. Into your hands I commit our nation. Into your hands, Father, I commit this election. Thy will be done. As we close today, I want to make this statement. A lot of people talk about the power of prayer, and I want you to know I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of prayer because I believe in the power of God. And he's the one we pray to. And he's got this. And I don't know what it's going to look like necessarily. I just know that he's got this. I don't know what the election on Tuesday will bring us, and it's likely we may not even know who won for a while. It may feel like, will Bill's sermon ever end? Will we ever know who wins? But I do know this. Whatever happens, I'll be here next Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and I will gather with my church family, and I will celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, no matter who wins, no matter what the future looks like, no matter what the cost will be to do those things. That's what I'll be doing next Sunday. And whatever happens on Tuesday, my sermon next Sunday is already written. And it will affirm that God's plan for the years ahead is for the church, 
for this church to go forward in faith and in prayer and be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let's close this message with prayer. Oh God, we praise you as the King of kings, as the Lord of lords, as the Prince of peace. We praise you as our God and creator. We praise you as our savior. We praise you as our sustainer. We praise you, Father, as the one who calls the shots, who puts rulers in power and, and takes them out, who does whatever is in your will to do. And so, Father, today we place our nation our communities, our state, into your hands. And we pray, Father, today, may your will be done. Father, we pray for the wonderful people in this nation that will keep us going in the difficult days ahead, just as they have so far. Our amazing medical professionals in the midst of a pandemic that just seems to not be getting any better our incredible law enforcement and their families who put their lives on the line every single moment of every day, not knowing what the next moment will bring. And yet there they are, and we're so thankful. For our elected and appointed officials and leaders, Father, we pray. We pray for them, the ones we agree with, the ones we don't. We pray for their safety. We pray for their commitment, Father, to serve to serve you first of all and then to serve this nation and the communities where they are. And so, Father, again, we pray. We pray. May your will be done. And may we live and act in love and faith and prayer so that others around us will be brought closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What we want for this country and have wanted since its inception is a more perfect union. It's not perfect by any stretch. But we pray for God to make it a more perfect union. We pray for God to make it possible that in this nation and in all nations there will be liberty and justice for all. And that's what we want. But we also know in this world It will be less than perfect at best. And so tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. This morning, let's stand and sing our song together.